Life is back on Sports Betters, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting and all of it. Log in to BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. BetUS for 125% bonuses with promo code EB125. Customer service pros are ready to get your phone. Social and online sports betting kickoff started now. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com with promo code EB125. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios, this is Old School. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. Broadcasting veteran Derek Pearson. When you find something that moves them, that makes them smile, celebrate it. That's your task. That's your superpower. Nebraska Football Hall of Famer Jay Foreman. Rifles a pass. It was tipped. It's picked off by Foreman. He's at the 15, 10, 5. He'll score! On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back in to our number two of Old School, 93.7 The Ticket, TicketFM.com. DP has exited the building as he goes and, and gives a speech in front of the ROTC program. So con- or good luck, DP, I should say. Um, I agree with Faisal five times on the text line. He will kill it. Um, as always, feel free to contribute to the show for the next hour, 402-464-5685, the Sardar Heyman text line. The Honda of Lincoln Hotline, both of those are open for you, as well as on the Sarder Heyman Jewelers video stream. Facebook, Twitch, YouTube. Big Sky has taken my place over there on the board, so he'll be controlling that. And I have um, taken DP's uh, spot over here. So we'll be able to uh, get your comments up on the screen, throw them up, talk about them. We'll be all good there. Just a reminder, if you were not listening last hour, join us tomorrow night from 5 to 7 p.m. at the Upside Bar and Lounge 27th and Pine Lake. DP will be on air broadcasting live from 5 to 6. And then Husker basketball stars Kobe Webster and CJ Wilcher will be um, broadcasting their show, The Truth, from 6 to 7. Husker volleyball starts at 8 p.m. tomorrow night on the Big Ten Network. They host number 7 Purdue. So uh, come on out. Hang out with the guys from the ticket. Free food, free giveaways, um, including Husker jerseys, including Husker autographs from Derek Walker, Damian Daniels, our good friend Michael Caton from Husker Women's Basketball. Um, get your picture taken. Get autographs, free food, like I said. I think she said, uh, Elena said that there's going to be a taco bar, so you can't go wrong there. I mean, it's Husker football bye week, so come on out, 27th and Pine Lake from 5 to 7. Hang out with all of us from the ticket and uh, enter your name for some free jerseys and free giveaways. Big Sky, hello. Hello, Nick. How are you doing today? I, I'm doing very, very good on this, uh, This, I guess, brisk, but but nice Friday. Yeah, it's it's cold. I don't like this weather at all. I enjoy it. I can finally wear my flannels again. I, yeah. I, this is this is like Montana. I am happy again. How many flannels do you own? Fourteen, and you know that just off the top of your head. Well, absolutely. I needed. I I had uh, last year. I went through my closet and I got rid of all of my T-shirts that didn't correspond <laughs> to going under a flannel. So every shirt that I I wear has a corresponding flannel. Do you have different? Like all of them are different colors. 
They're no, they're not all different colors. I have a couple blue, a couple red. This is my only gray slash green one. Okay. I have one that's all gray, but this is the only one with green on it. So I put my Baylor shirt underneath it. Okay, so flannel big sky is back. He's feeling good. It's a little chilly. Let me ask you this, big sky. It's a bye week. Um, you we've all had six or so days to let the Nebraska thirty to twenty three loss on Minnesota kind of marinate in the back of our minds. What has have your thoughts been over the course of this week? And and just kind of what are your overall thoughts on I, I hate to say it, but we're going to talk about the state of the program of Nebraska because I haven't it's kind of like a rehash of the student section here. And I haven't been able to hear your thoughts on on Nebraska football and what you thought watching last Saturday's game. I think last Saturday was kind of the reason why I lacked confidence in the team going into the season. Uh, we saw, you know, Adrian for as talented as he is, have a rough game. No one was able to pick up the slack. And there was just some questionable coaching decisions that made you scratch your head. And that's kind of what I was looking at going into the season. Now, I might have been a little too pessimistic with my record, given they've already gotten to three wins. Mm-hmm. But, uh, again, that that all of the reasons why Nebraska uh, faltered against Minnesota were the reasons I was looking at going into the season. So I was I was disappointed to, uh, to see all those because for the most part, they'd avoided them this season. Yeah, I, I guess that's an interesting part. And I'm always curious on how much um, fans take, not necessarily moral victories, because I'm not a fan of that word or I'm not a fan of moral victories altogether. However, I'll admit, follow, post-Oklahoma, post-Michigan State, uh, Michigan State, it was it was tougher to have a moral victory coming out of that one. But Oklahoma, for sure, it was like okay, Nebraska, they're they're starting to um, start to figure it out. It seems like there was that same story of there was a special teams problem, but each week it was one different special teams problem. Whether it was uh, the punt coverage, which has been decent this season, or the lack of the ability, or the lack of ability to kick a field goal, or um, anything like that, it seemed to be a it seemed to be a consistent problem within the special teams, for example, but each week, once they fixed one, another one would pop up. So I don't know how much you can take. How, how much can you take from those top 10 games um, where Nebraska was close, right? That word again, close. But once again, they lost. Uh, I think you can take away that the ability to be a successful team is there. They just lack certain finishing and clutch moments mm-hmm. in them that would make them you know potentially a top five team right now if they had gone undefeated through this mm-hmm. this early slate I mean I I understand why a lot of people were predicting a much better season because the talent is there you, you see it every Saturday there's flashes of of the team we all hope the Huskers can be but again there's just they just can never put it all together in one week and that's that's what that's why you want to be careful with the moral victories thing, taking exactly. away the moral victories, because we've seen time and time again, especially this season, we've got these moral victories, but nothing to affirm that we, we truly are headed in the right direction. Because at the end of the season, you, or today, you're still a three and five team, mm-hmm. uh, staring staring down three ranked opponents and a Wisconsin team you struggled against for the rest of the year for a chance at a bowl game. And at the beginning of the season, a lot of people were thinking seven wins, seven and five, seven and five, mm-hmm. eight and four, and now a bowl game might not even be in reach anymore. Let me ask you this because I've heard this a couple times, not only today but just earlier this week, and I don't, I don't necessarily believe it. Um, I think that 
Nebraska getting to five wins? Because you look at these next four games, Purdue, Ohio State, then you have a bye, Wisconsin, and then Iowa to, to finish it off. I always wonder that you can't adjust your um, your expectations in the middle of the season, in my, in my opinion. You can adjust how you're going to get there, what it takes to get there. You can change that. But in my opinion, you can't go into the season saying, okay, yeah, we expect six wins, and then halfway through the season when you find out you're three and five through eight games, you can't say, okay, we'll be happy with five wins. You can't do that. And that's what I've actually heard. Number one, I, number one, I don't think that's being realistic because it's okay to understand that that's where your program's at, but it's not okay to accept that. Does that make sense? Am I, am I making enough sense there? Well, yeah, it's kind of like moving the goalposts but making it easier to be satisfied i guess and i mm-hmm. and that's that's why the Kool-Aid factor going into the season is always such a big deal around here i think because there is in the back of people's minds they kind of feel or know that they're setting themselves up for major mm-hmm. disappointment if if the team can't get to that that benchmark that they're setting with a 7 to 8 win prediction which how wild is it to think that Nebraska fans could have been setting, and myself included, because I was, I think I had seven or eight wins. I, I saw a path for Nebraska to get seven or eight wins this season, and at the time, I didn't think that that was crazy. What? But how crazy, how how insane is it to think that Nebraska fans could be in the future and in these last couple of years have been setting themselves up to be disappointed by saying six or seven wins. Well, I think the entire Scott Frost era has yeah. has Absolutely exemplified agree. Husker fans setting themselves up to be disappointed because mm-hmm. a lot of people when he got hired were okay, year four, you know, let's let's think about it. Uh, year one, you know, bowl game. Year two, competing in the West. Year three, make the Big Ten championship. Year four, win the Big Ten championship. And that expectation has has not been realistic at all throughout the first four years. And I think that is probably one of the reasons why it's so tense right now in the state as these losses keep racking up because mm-hmm. we've set this expectation uh, or or fans have set the expectation to be so high and again it, i i make a low prediction life is back on sports betters and bet us has your nba nhl ufc pga and yes nfl betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting and all of it Log in to BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. Bet US for 125% bonuses with promo code EB125. Customer service pros are ready to get your phone. Social and online sports betting kickoff started now. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, Bet US. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com with promo code EB125. And then say, I hope I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And it, it prevents me from being disappointed. And makes it so like basically I can only be pleased with the team because either they're going to prove me wrong or I'm going to get what I expected, and that's kind of what I was trying to do. I was kind of trying to cushion the blow of a bad season. Which and it's 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 crazy to think about. And you said this a couple seconds ago about um, expectations for each year under Scott Frost and his staff. Year one bowl game or, or however it was, even if you wanted to stretch that out and say year one 
little bit of progress because you understand what he inherited. Number or year number two, the staff told us the staff is the one that said it that they had their people in place. They felt good about their program. So that is where you really expect to see somewhat of a jump in whether that means bowl game, whether that means um, a, a five to seven win or anything like that. That's what that means. However, the problem with it is that we're finding out for in year four is that the span of the progress has spanned over for at, at least four years, probably more because in realist in, 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 uh, in reality, through four years, you're still not at a bowl game, which is somewhere where fans and ho- I hope the staff expected in year two. Well, I think that should just be the expectation at virtually any Power Five program in the country is given at least given four years to build a roster and a staff at a school, you should be in a bowl game. I don't, I don't care if it's Nebraska, I don't care if it's Vanderbilt. That's kind of the expectation because four years, that's you're, the entire team at that point. With the, with the very, mm-hmm. very exception of fifth-year seniors are going to be all your recruits. So you should have had the ability to craft the roster completely around your schemes. I, I completely agree with you as well. And, and we're going to have a phone call here in, in one second. But I just think that that's, that's very um, alarming is when year, year two, everybody was kind of hoping, expecting a bowl game. Year four was really when Nebraska should be in the top echelon of the Big Ten West. It doesn't even have to be the whole Big Ten Conference. It just needs to be the West. Somewhere that Nebraska has not been in in recent staffs. I think that's fair to say. And so then when you look back this four years and you say, what has Nebraska really, where has Nebraska really improved? And if you can't, if you can't flat out point to something with, with full confidence saying that they've really improved here, that's where you kind of need to reassess your expectations and, and reassess yourself because at the end of the day, Nebraska fans, I know this, number one, just from growing up here, number two, from being uh, doing a show and, and, and getting your guys' opinions on the text line, I know that accepting mediocrity does not fly here. And through four years, unfortunately, because it really does suck at the end of the day, that's what Nebraska's been. And and it, it's too bad because the the timeline or timetable of progress is being stretched out further and further. And you say, okay, when's this going to happen? Year six? Is that when Nebraska's going to get a bowl game? When back in December on December 2nd of 2018, it was year two. I would like to get to a point that you touched on during your uh, monologue there. But yeah. for uh, first, we have Dave on the Honda of Lincoln Hotline. Dave, how are you today? Hey guys! Hey, hey Dave, I wanted what's to up? tell you guys, I'm a. It's really kind of, I don't know. It's kind of strange how Frost says he likes his team, and then the last few weeks he's talking about, well, we're going to have to go to the portal to get some guys. That's just sending fans like mixed messages and kind of losing faith in his team. But you know, there's I think there's 40 bowl games, and uh, last night. When San Jose State went to 44 and four, that made 83 teams that had seven wins, six wins, five wins, four wins, and teams that are three and three. Nebraska's the only team in the country that's played eight games and only got four games left. There's 
24 teams that are 3-3 three and three that have six games left. Nebraska's not going to make a bowl at 5-7. and seven. I don't know why mm-hmm. I've seen some media pages that think that, but there's going to be enough teams this year to be eligible. But uh, it's really kind of sad, guys. Mm-hmm. Frost had the team this year, and he blew it. Because next year, you know, the roster turnover is going to be huge. But thanks for uh, fitting my calling, guys. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate the call, Dave. And and I want to get to a couple things on the text line because he makes a very good point about the whole 5-7. to seven. And yes, there's the whole extra practices thing, and there's the whole idea of getting to a bowl game. But as a as a Husker fan and, and somebody that's seen this program at five and seven, if Nebraska goes to a bowl, personally, in my opinion, I'm not too excited about it. Because at the beginning of the season, it was bowl game and six wins or more. It was never bowl game and and five wins is okay. Because Let's be real, as we still look back on that Foster Farms Bowl from Mike Riley when they were 5-7, and seven, and even though they beat UCLA that, that, that bowl game, it's more of like, a well, they, weren't, they didn't have six wins going into it. They got into there because of the APR and, and all that. And, and a lot of people are saying this on the text line, um, LOL, this isn't mediocrity. It's called sucking. We've been less than mediocre in the last seven years. Uh, Mailman Dan, Dan says, I will have to push back, Nick. We haven't been mediocre. We have been closer to bad. And what I will say to that is is true, number one. Number two is in games against Oklahoma, Michigan, Michigan State, um, Northwestern, even though Northwestern is at the bottom of the spectrum in the conference, Nebraska's looked good against those teams. They've looked like they can play Big Ten football. But at the end of the day, they just haven't gotten the job done. And so that's that's where it's it's unfortunate here. 402-464-5685. We got a couple minutes left in this first segment. Um we're we're we'll get to a quite a quite a few of your texts here. Pete and Seward, expectations have been severely tempered. Asking for a winning season four years into a coaching staff is not unreasonable. Absolutely correct and and valid. Absolutely. Because once again, um, I, I just don't like the whole idea of saying at the beginning of the year that, like for me, personally, I'll, I'll use my example. I said seven or eight wins. I'll even go on the high side of eight wins. I don't feel like it's okay to now sit here. And, and you can assess your program and say, yes, Nebraska might be only good enough to get five wins. But I think there's a lot of us out there, including myself, that can agree that Nebraska is capable of having more and being a better football team than what's on paper. Well, that's what I wanted to get to during your uh, monologue during my first trip to get a phone call. Yes. Was uh, you were you were talking, can we point to anything where this team is markedly better since Frost took over? And I think if you just look at the overall talent on the roster, I, you can't mm-hmm. argue that this team is absolutely better. It's improved since Frost took over. And that's why it is so aggravating to watch this team lose week after week because you see in flashes and you know maybe three quarters against Michigan State – this is a team that should be competing for a chance to go to a a really good bowl game. You know, they should be a top twenty-five team, and then we go out and watch games against Illinois and Minnesota, mm-hmm. and you, you're like, where where did, where was the team we were watching last week? What happened? What happened? It's mind-boggling, and I think that is that is why the tension around Frost and the the microscope has intensified because at that point you're saying if the talent's there. The only thing that can be going wrong is coaching. Mm-hmm. That that can be the only point where where they're failing. Well, and I guess that that could be a whole other discussion here shortly. Is that um, it, it's interesting to look at each position group 
and say, um, and say that without doubt that everybody in that room has improved over recent years. Uh, right before we get to uh, to Brian here, and then I go answer another phone call. Augie on the text line, uh, does Luke Fickle not excite you? Somebody who took a Cincinnati program from American Conference irrelevancy and made them a, a number two team in the country. Does Luke Fickle not excite you if Nebraska could get a guy like that? Well, I want to I want to I want to say this is that when we're talking about hot seat coaches and and coaches that possibly could come in here and no matter how critical I am of this program and and what I've what I've said, I want to make it very clear. I want Scott Frost to succeed. I think a lot of people are still in that boat of wanting Scott Frost to succeed, but at the end of the day, it comes down to the wins and losses and how you feel about your program, and especially after last Saturday, and there's a very good chance that after next Saturday, fans could be feeling the exact same way and absolutely, and, and if not worse. Um, I feel like um, this, this place could be dangerous. It, it could be um, on edge, and Gene and Lincoln says, absolutely not on Luke Fickle. Everybody has gotten better except the quarterback. I would say that Adrian Martinez has played better this season than freshman year Martinez. However, it's it's those um, clutch clutch plays, I guess, those big moment plays that he has still failed on, and and that's being that's being realistic. But at um, in terms of a overall level, Adrian Martinez is a top three quarterback in the Big Ten. All right, the calls are stacking up. Let's get to Brian on the Honda of Lincoln Hotline. Brian, how are you today? Hey, guys, doing well. Just a, a comment and a, a question. Uh, first of all, I 100% agree with, with uh, what you were saying just a minute ago. I, I too, very much want Scott Frost to succeed in the program mm-hmm. to succeed. I think, uh, you know, going forward, and, you know, I'll jump to next year here, uh, one of the evaluations they're going to have to do after all these close games, and there's a lot of factors that go into it, execution and whatnot, is, uh, but also the play calling. And I think Frost is going to have to take a hard look and make a tough call to whether he's the right person to be the play caller. Uh, there's been a number of instances over the last four years where there's been some very questionable calls, in the, particularly in the close games, that one could argue – you know, may have cost him the game. And, you know, I think a decision that Scott has to look at is, hey, maybe it's time to delegate this and become more of the CEO where he's coaching the coaches and, um, you know, at least at least take that into consideration. But that's my take on it because I do think that's played a factor in a lot of these close games. Yeah, thanks for the call, Brian. I appreciate it. Honda of Lincoln Hotline, 464-5685, Sutter Heyman text line as well. Both those open for you guys the rest of the way here. One thing I will say about Brian, and I just kind of thought about this when when he was giving his opinion there, it's the same exact conversation that we were having at the end of last season about Frost and play calling, right? After that, that Rutgers game, it was, yep, it's time for Frost to fully give the play calling duties over to Matt Lubick. And, and then we find out that halfway through the season last year, they did that. They or they had half of you know they were they were both um, helping out with play calling. It's the same conversation. It feels like every single year, and that's where that's why it's so frustrating, is because 
it's the same conversation, it's the same feeling, and yet nothing changes. I, 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 that's that's how I feel about that. Um, somebody on the text line, 464-5685, unnamed texter, the talent is not quite there yet on the offensive line and has not developed as fast as we hope, and that is most of the problem. I will say I'm curious about this, and this is where you guys can have a um, your thoughts on it as well, and we can carry this into the next segment here in a couple minutes. When we're talking about the hot seat discussion, that has kind of it's it's kind of been talked about to, um, you know, till to its core this week. Is is firing and hiring new assistants is that going to help you feel better about next season? Like that's that's where I'm I'm curious about because we had a lot of a lot of people text in last hour and during one on one and even during my show at two. That said, you know, we need to get rid of the offensive line. We need to get rid of the quarterback coach. We need to get um, rid of this so-and-so coach, whatever. However, at the end of the day, Scott Frost is still the guy making all the decisions. So how much how much better do you feel about Nebraska football as a program going forward just because they they made a change at an assistant spot? I'm, I'm seriously asking. And back to the, back to that point about the offensive line and the talent not being there. Did the offensive line give up a punt return touchdown against Michigan State? Did they trip Jaco Aziant? Did they go out of the shotgun against Minnesota? Did they did they not clear a hole for Adrian Martinez to get a first down against Michigan? The offensive line play has been atrocious. lacking, but it hasn't been so it's bad. It's been atrocious, big sky. It has not been so bad that they are losing games. The offensive line played well enough to beat Michigan State. The offensive line played well enough to beat Michigan. But big sky, it took them four games or, or however long to f- get the right guys out there. That was the frustrating part is that they didn't even they didn't have Nueli or Nueli or or Prohaska out there until halfway through the season and that's the frustrating part. Well, that's that's coaching. That's getting the that's co- coaching. Either way, is, that's is still in, the offensive line to get, is, is get the bad. get the line out there. But this that texture is saying that the talent isn't there on the offensive line. Clearly, the talent is there because they have the guys. They just need to know which ones to play because it's not developed. And they say that in the text. They said it has not developed as fast as we hoped. Uh, so. Before we get to break, we have Brandon on the Honda of Lincoln Hotline. Brandon, how are you? Hey guys, how's it going? Good. Hey, I just want you guys talk about you know where we're at in the season right now. Mm-hmm. And the thing that kind of stands out to me, and, and did I hear you correctly, Nick? Do we have another buy um, in the late the late half of the season here? Yeah. So we have Purdue and Ohio State. Then we have a buy before we go to Wisconsin. I think that I think these two buys are key, uh, mm-hmm. just from the standpoint of the defense and how much the defense has been out there, and the force that they've had to exert this year to keep us in the games that we've been in. Um, the thing that really stands out to me with this offense, yes, the line is young; they're trying to gel together. You look at Jurgens; he's been there now for a few seasons. It took him a while to get into a good rhythm. Mm-hmm. We all know he had snapping issues. That has not come up this year once. I think another year working together with this offensive line, I think you're going to reap the benefits moving forward. The concerns I have with the offense is, from what I understand you guys just kind of talked about a little bit with the last caller, Brian, is the play calling. You watch that Minnesota game. It seems like P.J. Fleck and that defense knew exactly what play and 
I would say probably 70% of the time was going to be called based off of the formation. Their linebackers, their cornerbacks were all up there. They strung out those short side of the field options plays, run plays, everything. They knew this coaching staff seems to be better suited with play calling when they have nothing to worry about, like at the end of the year when we play Iowa and it's, well, we're not going to a bowl game, so why not just let out all the stops? Mm -hmm. Or when it's in a big-time game until it gets to, like, the last few, you know, play calling, whether or not we have the ball and we can't move it and we have to punt it away and give up a touchdown. It's just those play calls are what drive me nuts as a fan. Thanks, thanks, Brandon, for the call. I, I appreciate it. And what I will say this before we get to break here, um, in terms of diversity on on play calling and stuff, I talked about it on my show a little bit earlier today, or, or earlier this week. I mean, in in the red zone specifically, Nebraska has snapped the ball 107 times in the red zone, and this this stat gets more and more mind boggling the more I say it, and I I keep bringing it up because it's so relevant and it ties into the every single conversation when we talk about um, Nebraska's offense and their play calling and their their problems on offense. They've snapped the ball 107 times in the red zone, and they have uh, ran the ball 91 of them. So, Brandon, when you, when you ask, you know, it seemed like Minnesota knew what Nebraska was going to do on Saturday. You're absolutely right. Because they, they had a 85% of the time in the red zone, especially Nebraska runs the football. And then you look at it and say Nebraska's 105th in the nation, right? Nestled between Kent State and Louisiana Tech in terms of red zone offense. And they, they were okay with matching up Nebraska receivers one-on-one multiple times in the red zone in man-to-man coverage on Saturday. Now, you can look at that and say um, that Nebraska's staff doesn't trust Martinez to throw the football in the red zone. And that very well could be. Or, number two, you could look at it this way, and I'll leave this for you guys to ponder. Nebraska coaches aren't willing to change their game plan for whatever the defense lines up. And, and that's what's more worrisome is because over the course of the season and through seven games at that point before Saturday, the red zone offense was not working. And yet they still do the same things. Now, it's good to have an identity, but we all agree that Nebraska does not have an identity on offense quite yet outside of an Adrian Martinez run. Let's go and take our first time out. Keep sending your thoughts. Keep calling in 402-464-5685. We'll continue this on the other side on Old School. Watch Old School Live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. Old School with DP and J on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.